It's a statement of faith for our congregation that this book, the scripture, was inspired by the Spirit and written under his care and therefore speaks accurate to, accurately to us of God's character. So, if you have one of these listening sheets, or actually, let me phrase it this way. If you do not have one of these listening sheets, will you just raise your hand? Because one of our members is going to give you theirs. I want everybody to do this together. All together, let's stand and read with great voice God's word. For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves, so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. It's from so great a peril of death and will deliver us, he on whom we have set our hope, and he will yet deliver us. You also joining in helping us through your prayers so that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of many. Complicated last sentence, but you follow pretty well. Now, be seated. Take a Bible, if you will, and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 for a larger teaching this morning. It's an important moment, uh, painful but still important. If you haven't come to it already, you probably will soon. You will reach the end of your rope. That's what people call it. Your family, your job, your health, your own inner life, your relationship with God. Life will just ask more of you than you have resources to answer. You'll come to the end of your rope, the end of your cope. And you will say, I don't know how I can keep going like this. What should a person do that reaches this very important spiritual moment where you come to the end of your rope? Tie a knot and hang on. That's what the posters will all say. But it isn't that simple, really. I mean, life goes on every day. You still have to go to work. You still have to deal with your family. You still have to pay your bills. You still have decisions to make. So it really isn't adequate to say you can just check out until you feel better. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul is telling us the story of that moment in his own life. It doesn't mean you're a failure when you come to this moment, and it certainly didn't mean that when Paul got there either. In very descriptive language, Paul says in verse 8 of today's reading, I despaired even of life. A black cloud of depression rolled in on him and he said, I don't think I'm going to make it. I do not know what to do anymore. We don't know the particulars. We don't know whether it was illness. We don't know whether it was somebody who was particularly uh, awful to Paul in their opposition. We just never know the details. But we do know that the Greek word that he uses says there was no way forward and out. I, I just did not see a way out of this particular emotional set. No passage forward. In that same verse, Paul continues to describe vivid in his imagination. I was burdened excessively, he said. 
crushed by the pressure. Uh, it emptied me of my strength. It humbled me. It left me without any answers of how I was going to do this. Maybe you have been there. Anybody been there? If not, you soon. Then in verse 10, Paul, without any elaboration, simply says, and God delivered us. Again, no specific details, just this testimony that God, according to his promise, provided a way of escape. He just went through this dark night and the sun came up and it was he had learned some things and he had changed and God had been present in that darkness. Um, he delivered Paul, says that verse. He will deliver Paul in the near future and he will yet deliver Paul. As, as Paul begins to paint a different picture of God than maybe you have of him, this is the God who raises the dead. Uh, that's not just something he does, it's who he is. It's one, he knows that one of the ways humans have to learn particular lessons is he has to allow or cause your strength to fade away until you just get to nothing. Until you sort of reach the end of your own resources and then he is glad to step in and raise what has died. And that's true whether it's a marriage or whether it's a nation or a church or, a, uh, or your health. There are some lessons that finally come, but it only comes after you've kind of reached the end of your own resources. And learn is exactly the right word because this isn't magic. It's not one day depression and poof, the next day you're better. That's not how this works. Uh, God's plan for affliction, and by the way, whenever you see the word affliction in the Bible, it's a translation of the Greek word thlipsis, and it just means pressure. If you the, the modern word is stress. But see, stress is a word that comes out of mechanical science. We stress plates of steel to study them. But we call it stress. The Greeks called it thlipsis, or just pressure, just struggle. Life is hard or opposition. Part of God's plan is that you would learn in that. You would experience God in it and through it. He would meet you there and instruct you and inform you and shape your souls in a very deep conversation. Whether you're con conscious of it or not, there is this conversation going on between you and the Lord in that moment of great stress. So I invite you this morning, let's just look back, having heard Paul's testimony, let's look back and see what did he learn? What does he talk about after he emerges in this end of the rope experience. Well, at the end of your rope, you will see more clearly the sufferings of Christ. Look at verse 5. Just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, the scholars are divided whether that means the sufferings that come to us because we are Christians, or the sufferings that Christ himself endured. Look at your listening sheet, Hebrews 12. Consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. Now, let me just press you a little bit, everybody. I want you to shape actively and deliberately, I want you to shape in your mind the pictures of Jesus and his experience of the cross. 
I want you to think of his suffering. I want you to see petty little men spit on him. I want you to see people slap him and make fun of him. Press a crown of thorns on his head. Nail his hands to a cross. I want you to see people laughing at him. It is, the, the scripture says, I want you to consider such hostility, such meanness against him, and then turn it on yourself to say, if he could endure that, then I can endure whatever I am facing. Uh, life was not fair to him. It will not be fair to me. And I will react with the similar kind of courage to things that are unjust. Uh, it is a real breakthrough when you realize that life was not fair to Jesus. It will not be fair to you. And his example to us is for us to not be self-indulgent, complaining citizens of a new world. We are to say, I will do this. You give me strength. At the moment when you look at the dangers of your life and you say, I can't, I can't. He comes near and he says, of course you can. Come with me, I will show you how. I will give you my life and I will make you strong. This culture will teach you to be a victim. To blame all things on all people. This book will teach you to be an overcomer, to be strong, shoulders thrown back and head looking toward a glory that will come someday. Be strong, my brothers and sisters. Consider the difficulties of Christ. At the end of your rope, you will experience the comfort of Christ. By the way, the closer I get to retirement, the more points my sermons have. So, I fully expect before January 13th to have a sermon with 36 points in it. So, just hang on, everybody. We're going to get there. Um, you experience the comfort of Christ, he said. The same word that Jesus used for comfort is the one he used for the Holy Spirit. Para kaleo, he said. Para means alongside. Kaleo means to call. So when he was describing the Holy Spirit, he said he is that person who in your struggle will come near you and he will say, now come walk with me. It's like your great, the uncle that you really trust and he knows you're struggling and he sees you at a family reunion and he says, come walk with me. Let's talk a while. And he puts his arm around you and he walks you away from the brownies and away from the fried chicken. He says, let's talk Together, That's how the Holy Spirit is. And it's the same word for comfort. The effect is not to take the struggle away. The effect is of his, rather is an awareness of his presence and of supernatural assistance that God is willing to give you if you are willing to face life as it is. Eventually the Lord will remove the pain. But until he does, this is the important lesson to learn. He is amazingly satisfied satisfying everyone what you think you need is an end to the pain what you really need is the Lord of the universe what you think you need is for this to be over what you really need is for him to guide you through it come with me he says let's get you through this and teach you I have bread to eat that you don't know anything about Jesus used to say to the disciples what you're holding out on us, Lord? No, he said, no, 
I have a, a, a measure of strength that you guys are still strangers to. It is that inner reliance on the Holy Spirit that gives me strength even when life is really hard. But it's always a matter of faith. You cannot trust your feelings. You cannot trust your circumstances. You must finally decide whether God is telling you the truth where he says, I will never leave you. That at your worst moment, you are bound to him and connected to him with something stronger than titanium. It is the connection that came to you by faith in Jesus Christ and nothing breaks it. And you finally have to decide Then I will walk with you even when life hurts. At the end of your rope, you will leave, learn the purpose of pain. Verse 9, indeed, we had the sentence of death. And then Paul says, in order that. He perceives purpose there. God in your low moments is teaching you to trust him and not yourself. If you break an arm, an orthopedic surgeon will apply pressure to put it back where it was supposed to be. You Hopefully you're out when that happens, but he will apply pressure to make that setback. That's what's going on in your hardest times. The Holy Spirit is applying pressure to get your heart to love him again and not these things. He's trying to say what was always his purpose for you, come love me, come love only me. Even if it hurts, if we fix that problem, that's the largest of, of all gifts. At the end of your rope, you'll learn a heart of service. Verse 4, Paul says, I realize that part of the plan of God is that I will eventually share with others what I've learned when life hurt. In those dark days, I learned some things, and now I share them freely. I'll say from firsthand knowledge, if you are a cancer survivor, or God has rescued you through cancer, you talk with a new kind of uh, energy to cancer patients. You, you get to say, I remember what chemotherapy feels like. I remember what it felt like to hear those words. I, you have empathy and you have credibility. But if you've been the child of a, a parent of a child with autism or you've been through a divorce or a death that just shattered your world, that lesson that you were learning is not just for you, it is for you to steward and give to others along as you will continue to serve the Lord. At the end of the, your rope, you will learn the necessity of patience. Verse 6. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient endurance of the same suffering. What kind of faith is it? Read your listening sheet who writes this. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith is producing something in you, endurance. And that endurance will have a perfect result if you will let it. Um, will you, you, will you this morning believe Will you consider your own life and view it from the perspective of faith that even in your most painful moments, God is at work in your life, shaping you for himself. He is teaching you what you must know and it, it requires patience of you. Will you do this on his schedule and not your own? Will you say, Father, as Job said, though you slay me, I'm going to trust you. I, I can no longer determine outcomes, but I will, I am yours.
as long as it takes. If it's one more day, one more hour, or until I come to death and then wake up in glory, I will do your plan and your schedule. At the end of your rope, you will find your need for community. Verse 11, Paul says, and you guys can help me if you will pray. Think of that. Think of that. Paul said, there are certain things that will happen in my life if you pray, but if you don't pray, they likely will not happen. There's some margin of God's grace that he's left for prayer to take care of. And the people of God are to gather and to use that great gift to help each other. And if you don't pray, then that part of the great gift goes undelivered. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Um, that instructs us. When you go through depression, we don't panic. When you prove yourself a sinner, and we all are, we don't panic. We hit our knees. We, we say God's ability to heal is greater than your ability to break things. And so we say, come near, precious Savior. Heal them, even in his great pain. Bring him back to yourself. At the end of your rope, you'll find a song of praise. Always, uh, Paul, me, you, all of us who are in Christ. Verse 3, Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he's not broken now. The Father of mercies, the God of comfort. Shape that, will you? Shape that picture of God. Every comfort that flows into this world came out of his heart. Every kindness that human beings ever received came out of his heart. Every thing that ever made you strong that was from him. You've lived in the steady stream of his great goodness in your life. He's the father of all that. Now sing his praise. The Bible says weeping may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. It will. And so nothing can separate you from his love. Will you not sing his praise now? Um, in Acts 16, Paul and Silas are thrown into a Roman jail in a strange city. Um, and they are beaten. They have no friends, no legal representation, and very little hope or plan. At midnight, you know this story, Paul says to Silas, Silas, I think we should sing. And Silas says, come again? Paul says, Silas, everything we've learned from the gospel is the great, faithful goodness of God. This experience doesn't change that God is good. I, I think we should sing. And Silas said, oh, okay. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. As they sang that night, the, the stone hallways of that great Roman prison just began to echo with the sounds of a newborn faith or a reborn faith in the goodness of God. All of a sudden, people were invited back into the right relationship with God that they've needed their whole life. Come back, find this God, how good he is, how much better he is than yourself or your sin or your own stubbornness. Come to him and... Yes, 
an earthquake came and opened up that prison, but the truth is they were free before that earthquake happened. They began to sing God's goodness. That sweet song of faith filled that Roman prison, and since that day, thousands of people have joined that choir. I'm asking you this morning whether you will trust God, flee to him in the moment of your greatest pain, and let him teach you these things. That he is sufficient, that he will comfort you and carry you, that in that pain he will teach you things that you did not know, that he will teach you to be patient, that he will give you a community that will pray for you, and you will learn a song of praise. Will you? Good. Amen. Let's pray. This is so far above anything that we imagined. It is so, such a different plan of our life than we thought. We did not write this script, dear God. We saw it portrayed for us in the life of our Savior. Uh, beautiful and kind. He was mistreated and beaten. And he reacted with quiet strength. And you brought him through. So today, we give ourselves to that same path. We ask that you fill us with your own life. None of us can do this on our, in our flesh, but your life living in us, we will walk with you the rest of our days. Teach us, Lord, even when life hurts, even when we get to the end of our rope.